Hello, Believers. It's Dr. Shantae, and welcome to another episode of Branding for Believers. This is episode 48. I can't believe it. We are moving. I don't know about you, but this year seems to be flying by. This is also the week of my birthday. Yay! Um, April 11th, I always marvel at my birthday. I say 411 because that is the slang term for information. People will say, what's the 411? What's the deal? What's the demo? And I said, that's just so appropriate for me because I feel like I was born to deliver information. I got good news, which comes every single week on this podcast for entrepreneurs and influencers, equipping them with the courage and the confidence to believe bigger. And so before I jump into today's content, I want to give you guys a couple of reminders. The first being, don't forget to register for the Faith Summit, June 17th in Chicago and June 24th in Washington, D.C. You can get all of the details at BelieveBiggerSummit.com. Again, BelieveBiggerSummit.com. And I'm going to impress upon you to register this month. April is when the early bird rates are in full effect. And then in May, that's when the prices go up. So save yourself $60. Tag a friend. We also have group rates. So if you want to bring a friend, bring a buddy, bring a group of people, we can certainly accommodate that. So head to BelieveBiggerSummit.com and make sure that you get your ticket. And for those of you that are wondering what the Believe Bigger Summit is all about, the thing is, is A lot of times we get motivated, we get fired up, we get inspired, and then we get home and crickets. (laughs) We go back to the same old, same old. And even though we want to do something, we just don't know exactly what to do. What does it really mean to put faith in action? What does that look like on a daily basis? What are some things that we have to remove in order to move forward to where God wants us to be? And so that is what the Believe Bigger Summit is all about. It's going to be a phenomenal event and I don't believe in sit and get. I don't believe in those sit and get conferences where somebody just sits and talks to you. I believe in make and take. And so every one of you that attends will be walking out of there with actionable strategies and a container of support to support you along this journey so that we don't leave you out there hanging. So check that out. BelieveBiggerSummit.com. Make sure you register by April 30th. The second thing is that pod classes will return So our next recording is on April the 17th. And so you guys can head to Eventbrite or you can go to brandyforbelievers.com and click on attend a pod class and you can get all of the information to grab your seats free of charge to attend our next live recording. So that said, today's episode is all about what no really means. And I can tell you in a short version No means next. And where this comes from is recently I was at an event and I was a speaker. And when they were asking, you know, do you have any questions for the speaker? A young lady, uh, very committed, very motivated about her business and very passionate, um, but found herself in tears because she said, I want to have faith. I want to keep going. But how do you have faith when you get told no? And she said she had just started her business and she had just reached out to a company to work with them. And they just told her, no, no, if, ands or buts, just no. And she said that rejection was just so hurtful. And I get that. I know some of you have been there. You want certain guests on your show or you want to have a show or you want to partner with somebody or you want a sponsor to come and support your event. And it's like, no, or not at this time. 
sorry, we wish you well. And that rejection can be personally stinging, but I want to try to reframe that whole dynamic for you and hopefully equip you for the next time that you pitch yourself or put yourself out there so that you understand what no really means and that you're not taking it personally. So as always, for every episode, we have our guiding thought. And believe it or not, even Jesus has something to say about rejection, right? So our scripture guiding thought for today is Matthew 10, 14. And it says, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. I'm going to repeat that. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. In other words, keep it moving. The Bible didn't say cry. The Bible didn't say beg. The Bible didn't say plead. The Bible didn't say um, throw a pity party. It says shake the dust off your feet and leave. (laughs) You know, just keep it moving. And so... I want to break down a few things in this episode. One, talking about in the, from a sales perspective, okay, from a business and entrepreneurial perspective, what does no really mean? Number two, the emotion of no. And three, what are the steps that you take after you get a no? So first of all, let's talk about what no really means. In the sales world, sales world no means next, okay? When you go to a car dealership and you're out there, you know, looking, oh, I'm just looking or I'm just browsing or you do a test drive and you decide that you don't want to buy the car. The salesman hands you a car, shakes your hand, says, give me a call if you change your mind. And then boom, he's right out there on the lot looking for the next prospective client. Because in the sales world, you don't have time to get emotionally invested in what someone, what someone else is going to do. If they're interested, you follow the process, you extend to them a set of opportunities and incline them to take action. But if they choose not to take action, then boom, it's rinse and repeat. You start the process all over again. However, what tends to happen for quite a few of you is that when you hear a no, you immediately take it personally. And I have to say this, this is a little bit of, of tough love from Dr. Shante. You have to learn to separate emotion from business. You have to learn to separate personal from business. Personal is personal and business is business. Personal and emotional, even though you bring your whole person and your whole personality to your business, personal is personal and business is business. And the reason why I say that is because if you can't learn to separate the two, your business is going to stall. Your brand is going to stall. Your platform is going to get stuck because the fact of the matter is this. You are not going to like personally everybody that you're going to have to do business with. How many of you can attest to that? Some of you are at jobs where you have to work with people that, oof, in any other context, if you saw them on the street, (laughs) you probably wouldn't talk to them or you would cross over to the other side or they get on your last nerve or they cause a bunch of drama or keep up a bunch of mess. But in the context of the job that has to be done at work, you have to work with them. You are about the business and you keep it moving. Your business as an entrepreneur is the same way because think about it. If on your job, 
people who didn't like each other were always clawing and scratching and, and yelling and cussing and fussing, um, both of those people would be out of a job. But the reason why that typically does not happen on a regular basis, or at least it shouldn't, is because productivity has to happen. You have to produce. You were paid to do a job and your manager, supervisor, the company expects you to do it. Whatever is happening with you personally, they expect you to handle your business outside of the job. That's why they have things called personal days so that you're not bringing your personal drama into the business, into the corporation. Why? Because it, it stalls productivity. It stalls progress. When you have your own business, you have to learn to keep your personal feelings and your personal drama in the appropriate places so that you can execute a sale. So just because someone says no, in the sales world, that just means, okay, next. No, okay, next. No, okay, next. And there are so many, I mean, Google it, there are so many people who were famously rejected before they became the people that we know them as today. Tyler Perry being one of them, Vera Wang being one of them, J.K. Rowling, who is the most highly paid, lucrative author of children's books ever. Harry Potter was rejected more than 30 times. This woman was almost homeless before someone finally, a publisher finally said yes. And so what no really means is it means next. Another thing that no means is keep moving. Okay, so no should not halt momentum. No means you need to continue the journey until you find a yes, because think about it. When you get a yes, the search stops, right? When, when you get somebody to say yes, you stop asking. But no means that you keep asking. And so I don't believe in coincidences. I think that if someone says no or that it's not the right fit or this isn't the right opportunity for you, then I truly believe that God is moving you closer to the person that you are supposed to be asking. And so just because person number one didn't say yes, God might have a special blessing and connection for you and person number 10. And so yes actually stops the process because when you get a yes, you stop. But when you get a no, it should propel you forward to keep moving. So what no really means is it doesn't mean I don't like you. It doesn't mean I don't like your product. It doesn't mean I don't want to do business with you. It doesn't mean that I have something personally against you. It just means no. And that's okay. Another example that I'll give you just to close out the point about taking the emotion out of no. I want you to think about the last time that you were in the mall, whether it was Nordstrom's or Saks or Bloomingdale's, Macy's. New York and Company, Brooks Brothers. If you went in there and you looked around, you saw some things, you know, may have tried something on and ultimately decided not to buy it. When you walked out the door, did the salesperson go running after you crying and screaming like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't believe you didn't buy those shoes. I was really counting on you to buy those shoes. What's wrong? What's wrong with me? And I know some of you are laughing like, okay, did she really just go there? But the, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, no, baby, that is not what happened. When you walked out the door, they were like, thank you. See you next time. Because they know that somebody is, that's why they keep the doors open. That's another thing too. When you, when you walk out of Bloomingdale's, when you walk out of Macy's, Nordstrom, all of these stores where you decide not to make a purchase, they don't lock the door after you like, oh, she didn't buy, she didn't buy anything. 
okay, that's it. Let's just lock the door and close up because clearly we're, we're doing something wrong. No, they keep the doors open because they know that for every person that walks out and didn't buy something, the opportunity is available for somebody to walk in the door and make a purchase. And so don't close the door on your business. Don't close the door on your faith. Don't get discouraged. Keep the doors open. The Bible says, shake the dust from your feet and keep it moving. So one of the things that I do want to say, though, so just to give you some perspective, keeping it moving, here are four things that you can do after you get a no. So if you are inclined to take notes, this would be the part where you need to kind of grab a pen, a notebook, and just kind of jot some things down. Okay, so after you get a no or rejection or somebody takes a pass on what you have to offer, one of the best things that you can do is ask for feedback. There's absolutely nothing wrong with asking for feedback and just saying that, you know, well, thank you for considering the opportunity or thank you for considering what I had to offer. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, if you're so inclined, can you please provide some feedback about what I could have done so that next time I approach you, it could be a yes. And it could be any number of things. Sometimes it's just a matter of timing, something that I say all the time. And this is this happens a lot with sponsoring and sponsorships. So you're having an event and you want people to sponsor it. You want people to get on board and donate money or donate product. And a lot of big companies, I've learned this from experience, a lot of big companies have already decided the previous year who they're going to fund for the following year. So for example, um, I went to pitch a few companies back in October, November of 2015, because that's the time that they decide who they're going to fund for 2016. So for the people that show up in 2016, like, hey, I got this event and I want you to sponsor it. Those dollars have already been allocated. So sometimes it's just a matter of timing. That's why it's important to ask for feedback. And if they're inclined, then they would give you some helpful information to help you tailor your pitch or or interrogate your process a little bit so that you can change it and learn from that experience. A second thing that you can do is examine your process. Believe it or not, there is an art to pitching and I actually provide some free resources for this. So if you head to my personal website, drshantesays.com forward slash library, and there is a pitching template that you can use to kind of craft the perfect pitch. One of the main things that people tend to leave out of the pitch is what's in it for the person that you want to take action with you. So sometimes we know that we have a good product, but we're not or a service or a program, but we're not very good at articulating the benefits. We say my product is this and it's that and the other thing. And the person or the company is like, OK, so what's in it for me? Like, how does that benefit me? So if you are inclined, you can head to drshantesays.com forward slash library and pick up your own personal free copy of the pitching template. Um, and I will make sure I post that in the show notes. But yes, one of the things that you can do is examine your process. And so take a look at how you approach them. And one of the things that you can also do uh, to piggyback on that is look at who got a yes. So if you applied for a certain program or you applied for something um, that was a little bit competitive, look and see who got yeses. And you know, you can get feedback from the people who got yeses and said, okay, how did you tailor your pitch? Or maybe you can do a side-by-side -side comparison and see if you can see some, some gaps in things that maybe they did that maybe your process did not include or did not have. So first thing that you can do is ask for feedback. Second thing to do is examine your process. 
three, look and see who got a yes and see what lessons that you can learn from that. Sometimes there's not a lesson to be learned there. Sometimes it's somebody's cousin and they got a hookup and that's just the way the world works. But for the most part, there is something to be learned from people who did get a yes. And one of the things that you don't see is the people that got a yes, believe it or not, Sometimes that's their second, third or fourth time asking. It never ceases to amaze me when you look at some of these reality shows like The Voice or So You Think You Can Dance or American Idol. Some of the people that end up winning the show, some of the people that end up being selected as finalists are people who are there for their second or third go round because they got rejected in the first two rounds. And so sometimes, you know, we just look at the 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 portion that they got. And we really have not looked at the process that they went through to get there. So make sure that you also examine the process and get some backstory and information from people who may have gotten yeses. And the last thing that I want to say is build relationships. I can't stress that enough. You know, a lot of times when you're in the sales world or you're in the business world and you want people to buy your book or you want people to come to your event or you want people to do anything with you, you know, or, and take action in some way, shape or form, you have to ask yourself, what did I give first? You know, the, the rule of thumb in business is this. People will invest in you when they know you, when they like you, when they trust you, and when they have gotten significant value from you. So if you just come straight out of the gate asking for something and you haven't given, you haven't served, you haven't volunteered, you haven't you know, paid your dues or put in any sort of sweat equity, then chances are people are less inclined to take action with you. So, you know, before you go asking, you have to be willing to put some skin in the game. You know, the thing is about even if you look at Jesus's process, Jesus was the perfect example of a servant leader, even though he had all power, all authority to do whatever he wanted. He was emphatic about making sure that he served the people that he led, even to the point of, of humbling himself and, and washing people's feet. Now, when you walk in the, the dusty roads of Jerusalem and mm -mm, Jesus, it, it just, it takes a special person to do that because you know, those feet were not together back in those days. Uh, our shoe system was not as sophisticated as it is today. Um, older eaters didn't exist. So you know that that was a really humbling job. And I'm not saying that you have to go around washing somebody's feet, but have that mentality, you know, less arrogance, more humility goes a long way. What have I done to serve the people that I want to take action with me? Um, have I given them any sort of resources? Have I given them any sort of value? Have I given them a free sample of what I can do? Have I given them some uh, a 15 minute free consult? How have I served them? And the thing is, and I've said this many times, I want you guys to go to Ted. I will put the, the link in the show notes, but there is a video on Ted, uh, Ted Talks called Don't Eat the Marshmallow. And one of the things that it talks about, the bottom line of, of the talk is this. Delayed gratification is one of the single biggest predictors of success. And so salespeople, if you go into a, a, a Walmart or a store and you say, I want to buy a TV, the sales guy that says, oh, well, here's one right here. You know, can I ring this up for you? Tends to sell a lot less than the salesperson who says, 
okay, well, tell me what, what your needs are. Tell me what you're trying to accomplish. Is this going to be for a guest room? Is it an occasional uh, for a sporting season? Tell me a little bit more about what it is that you want the TV to do for you and, and kind of the accommodations of the room and that sort of thing. The salesperson that takes the time to actually give some value, to cultivate a relationship, to allow the client to talk to them, that salesperson sells way more than the person who's just like, good, quick money, quick money, quick money, quick money. So take a lesson, you know, a no is not you know, a no is not never. Okay. Just because it's not now doesn't mean that it's not never. And there are a lot of things that you can do on your end to examine the process. And I truly do believe this, you know, at the end of the day, when Jesus says, yes, nobody can say no. When it's your time, your blessing will not miss you. It's not going to pass you by. You're not going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. What God has for you is for you. It's one of those things. Uh, if you go a few episodes back to the talk that I gave during my book launch, when it's for you, it is for you. It's not going to pass you by. So don't fret. Don't worry. Don't cry about it. Take the emotion out of it. If they don't receive you, then shake the dust from your feet and keep it moving. And the last thing that I want to say about this is just because they fail to recognize the value doesn't mean it's less value. Some of you have personal relationships with Jesus. Some of them are new relationships. Some of them are, are long-standing relationships. And I can just tell you personally, I can't imagine. I can't imagine my life without the Lord. I just cannot. Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine my life without the Lord and his leading and his guiding. And it's something that I treasure more than money, gold, silver, pearls, diamonds, it is so precious to me. And as precious as it is to me, there are hundreds of and thousands of people that reject him every single day. But it doesn't, but just because they reject him, it doesn't change the value of who he is. It doesn't change what he is. It doesn't change who he is to, to us and what he's done for us. And so just because someone fails to see the value doesn't mean that the value has changed. So don't allow somebody who did not see the value and what you had to offer change how you begin to think about yourself because, you know, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy and he will plant that seed in your mind like, oh, you're not good enough and see, you are a fool to try this. That is nothing but a lie from the pit of hell. It's a trick from the pit. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for the okie doke, okay? So don't get distracted. Don't get off course. Take the emotion out of no. And no doesn't mean never. It doesn't mean that it's not that your opportunity is going to pass you by. What it is, is it moves you closer to your, yes, it keeps your process moving and it strengthens your resolve, okay? Because when you get told no the first time, yeah, it might sting a little, but you know, that's the nature of business. You don't always do business with people that extend opportunities to you for whatever reason. Sometimes the money is not there. Sometimes the timing is not right, but it's not personal against the person. And I've had many clients who, for whatever reason, did not take advantage of what I had to offer at that time. And six months later did, you know, the timing just wasn't right then, but they changed some things Some things shifted in their lives and they were ready to take action. So don't stop asking. All right, my lovelies, if you have takeaways, aha moments and feedback for this episode, as always, you know that you can hit me up at Twitter on uh, Instagram at Dr. Shante says another thing, believe bigger Bible study. 
I should have said this in the beginning, but Believe Bigger Bible Study is back. And so there will be a study guide up on the blog. You guys can download it and follow along. But every Wednesday in April, we are going to be doing Bible studies, 730 p.m. Central Standard Time. So make sure that you tune in for that. And if you are not able to catch it live, make sure that you catch the replay. And one thing that I was recently on a guest on another podcast and something that I often forget to do, I want you guys to know that you're taking the time to leave a review on iTunes really does help this podcast. It helps the algorithms because the more reviews that this podcast gets, the higher visibility that it gets in Apple, in iTunes. And so I know that we are busy and we have so much to do, but I'm going to encourage you, implore you, if this is blessing you and you want this content to bless other people, please do take the time to hop on iTunes and leave a review and let me know that you're out there and that you appreciate this content and help this podcast move higher in the ranks of visibility. I would so appreciate it. All right, guys, that is this episode. I will catch you guys next time.